Welcome to the Humanity Matters Podcast, where we discuss and reflect on faith and philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social issues. We want to engage ideas on what it means to be a free human being in the pursuit of human flourishing. For more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org. And now, the Humanity Matters Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Dr. Philip Fletcher, welcome to Humanity Matters One-on-One. I am your host, and today we will be speaking with Lawrence Reed. And before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out and connect with me on my various social media platforms. Please, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe, leave a comment. We greatly appreciate it. As well, you can find me on Facebook at Dr. Philip Fletcher over on Twitter at Phil Fletcher and always on the web at philipfletcher.org. And today we have with us uh, Lawrence Reed. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, terrific, Dr. Fletcher. And I really appreciate your having me. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with Lawrence Reed, Lawrence Larry Reed is Fees President Emeritus, Humphreys Family Senior Fellow and Ron Manners, Global Ambassador for Liberty. Mr. Reed served as president of FEE from 2008 to 2019, after serving previously as chairman of its board of trustees in the 1990s in both writing and speaking for FEE since the late 1970s. Prior to becoming FEE's president, he served for 21 years as president of the Mackinac Center for Public Policy in Midland, Michigan, He also taught economics full-time from 1977 to 1984 at Northwood University in Michigan and chaired his Department of Economics from 1982 to 1984. Mr. Reed holds a BA in economics from Grove City College and an MA degree in history from Slippery Rock State University, both in Pennsylvania. He holds two honorary doctorates, one from Central Michigan University in Public Administration and Northwood University the former in public administration, and the latter in law. He is a champion for liberty. Reed has authored nearly 2,000 newspaper columns and articles and dozens of articles in magazines and journals to include the Wall Street Journal, Christian Science Monitor, the Epic Times, USA Today, the Washington Examiner, Baltimore Sun, and many others. He is also the author and co-author of eight books to include his most recent, Was Jesus a Socialist? I'm going to have him back because I want to talk about that one, too. That would be awesome. He is a native of Pennsylvania and a 30-year resident of Michigan and now resides in Noonan, Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lawrence Reed, how are you doing today, Larry? Hey, just terrific. Uh, May I call you Phil? Yes, you sure can. Okay. I appreciate being on your program. Yeah. So what are you up to nowadays? You know, what does a chairman emeritus do uh, living in Georgia? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, uh, 12 years ago, uh, shortly after I became president of the Foundation for Economic Education, which at that that time was headquartered in New York, we decided to move the foundation and we settled eventually on Atlanta. And so then I began looking for a place to live and I found a nice uh, place in a little town I've come to love, Noonan, Georgia, just south of Atlanta. So that's why I'm here. And then two years ago, I retired as president and took on the president emeritus role. 
which still uh, means I'm full-time effectively, but I get to do the things I most enjoy. Things yeah. like speaking, things like this program, things like uh, in-person events around the country, and even more importantly, uh, writing. I, I love to write. Yes, sir. For those who, don't, who are not familiar with FEE, can you explain uh, the mission of the organization, uh, some of the things that it focuses on, its values? Yes. Uh, the Foundation for Economic Education, or FEE, was founded in 1946. Its purpose is to educate and inspire young people uh, between uh, the ages of 14 and 24, high school and college age, basically, in ideas of liberty and free markets and small government and private property and personal character. And we do that not only through a very robust website, fee.org, but also through uh, lots of videos that we post there, uh, daily commentary, and also in-person and uh, uh, online events all the time, all over the world. Our focus is primarily on the U.S., but probably about 20% of what we do involves or is seen by people from other countries on virtually every continent. Okay. Yeah. And for everybody, we'll make sure to have uh, the links to the article we're going to be discussing today, as well as fee available for you to access and learn about uh, this great organization. I know for myself, I've learned a lot uh, from Fee. And you are right. A lot of young influencers who are contributing and uh, putting out some great content in terms of written and video form. And so I believe it's, it, it's very helpful. I know I'm at least looking at uh, something from that site at least once a day. Uh, so I appreciate the hard work. Oh, thank you, Philip. And I hope you'll... I know that our editorial team is always looking for good writers. So please think of that. And if you uh, have any more thoughts or questions about it, just drop me an email and I can uh, connect you with the uh, the right people and also the page that uh, explains some of the uh, background to that. Yeah, that would that would be awesome. I appreciate that very much. So I have you on today because I uh, stumbled across you on Twitter Someone had posted an article uh, titled The Spectrum, and you were looking at this, uh, how it's commonly laid out, the communism all the way to capitalism, so on and so forth. And you made uh, the contention in the article that the way that we commonly understand it is flawed, and you present a, a better way to understand that. And so that's why I want to have you on today, uh, because I know for myself, at least in the last 12 to 16 years, we've heard more talk about socialism and capitalism and democratic socialism. And, uh, you know, what is it exactly? Um, is America a capitalist nation? Is it crony capitalism? You know, you hear all these terms bantered about, um, and for myself, sometimes I wonder if we actually know what we are talking about. Um, oh. And so it's important to, you know, obviously define our terms in order to have a uh, an appropriate and effective discussion. And so that's why I wanted to to have you on. And so uh, before we just dive deep into some specific questions, can you just give us uh, your over your general thesis, what you're arguing for in this yeah. article? Okay. Yeah, my contention uh, was and remains 
that uh, the political spectrum that most students are exposed to in poli-sci classes, also in a lot of other social sciences too, history, economics, uh, this is an educational tool or device, but I think it's uh, the way it's normally presented is seriously flawed. It shows up in textbooks and uh, in the lectures of so many teachers as if uh, on the left you've got communism and socialism and far away from it over on the right you have capitalism and fascism. And the suggestion there is that capitalism and fascism Though they are different, they are not too far apart. They're both uh, isms of the right, so to speak. And, you know, first of all, I, I have a lot of problems with these simplistic spectrums to begin with. I think yeah. often they can be misleading. But still, uh, if you're going to try one, uh, try to make it make sense. And it just never made sense to me that what we know as fascism, practiced most notably in the last century by Adolf Hitler in Germany and Benito Mussolini in um Italy, mm -hmm. it made, made no sense to me that that was somehow close to what I thought of as capitalism. It looked a lot more like uh, just a different variant of socialism way mm -hmm. over on the left. And uh, the more you look at that, the more you discover that, in fact, the spectrum as it's typically presented is grossly wrong, that fascism is not some variant or more radical uh, form of capitalism is just another form of socialism. And fascists themselves said that. <laughs> I mean, Hitler's party was the National Socialist German Workers Party. Yes, sir. And in the article that you saw, I cite uh, many things that both Hitler and Mussolini said that, that you could put in the mouth of, uh, of Vladimir Lenin or Mao Zedong or Joseph Stalin, and uh, they would not seem incongruous at all. These are isms of the left. Capitalism doesn't look like any of those things. That's good. So uh, from your article, <clears throat> why should socialists and fascists be depicted as virtual opposites when they share so much in common from their fundamental intellectual principles to their methods of implementation? So from this article, your question is provocative. Uh, because you make the claim socialist fascists, which you alluded to, actually have much in common. So yeah. can you unpack that? Because, you know, you look back in history um, it, from World War II, you know, Hitler went to war with Russia and yeah. defeated Russia. But your contention is actually they had more in common. So looking at socialism, looking at fascism, where, where do they have commonalities? Well, first, uh, from the standpoint of an intellectual background, they have uh, similar roots. They both believe in the collective over the individual, uh, socialists, fascists, communists. They, they all glorify the collective and see that the state is the uh, best expression of the collective good, the collective will. You know, whereas capitalism upholds the individual and is very wary uh, of the notion that some handful of political elites can speak for everybody. But uh, those isms of the left, capitalism, socialism, fascism, uh, they have that in common, certainly. They're anti-individualistic. Uh, they are collectivist in their view of the world. They favor the concentration of political power in the state. Uh, they diminish the importance of private property. Uh, they either 
take it outright as they do in communism and to a degree under socialism or under fascism. They just so regulate it uh, to benefit the purposes of the state that you really don't own it at all. Uh, so they just have a lot of similarities. And, and uh, they also tend to be very uh, anti-civil liberties. Okay. I mean, all those countries that were socialist, communist, and fascist, they, they tend to stamp out uh, political opposition, uh, monopolize the press, put the state in charge of everything. That's very different from capitalism. Whether you like capitalism or not, it is not the concentration of power in an all-powerful state. Okay. Yes. So you put up on uh, your uh, your article, and I'll put this up. This is probably kind of the existing framework. I think uh, most of us are familiar with. Um, so I remember in my uh, education, I don't, and I really think hard on this. I don't think I remember hearing or learning about really the impact of communism or socialism. If anything, I heard a lot about what happened in Germany with fascism. Uh, with Benito Mussolini, as you mentioned, in uh, Italy. You know, you hear about the horrors of fascism, you know, the Holocaust, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But now we look at today, socialism is is looked at favorably. Like mm -hmm. we have, uh, you know, democratic socialists in Congress. Uh, we've had one who has made a serious run, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders for president of the United States and has got a serious following um, so how is it that socialism is looked at so favorably, but yet, you know, fascism is the pejorative, you know, yeah. Trump's administration, he always received the accusation of fascism. Um, but I'm trying to be charitable here. Uh, yet you look at the previous administration with former President Barack Obama and his contention of fundamentally transforming America and increasing the power of the state. That was kind of like applauded. almost. Yeah. But, you, but you saw the seeds of uh, expanding socialism. Um, so what explains this phenomenon? Well, unfortunately, a lot of people, and largely because this is the way they're taught, uh, they think that the uh, uh, the marketing package of socialism is actually the real thing. Mm -hmm. And the way it, uh, socialism is typically marketed by its advocates is, oh, it's uh, sharing things. It's giving people things. It's uh, uh, relieving them of responsibilities that are so burdensome in life. And it's, it's giving them free stuff and it's caring for people. That's yeah. the way people think that socialism is. Well, if that's what it is, who, who could be against it? Yeah. <clears throat> but of course, the rubber hits the road when it comes to the question of how do you attempt to accomplish those things? And what makes socialism different from um, other isms, certainly of capitalism, is that it seeks to accomplish these things not through speeches, not through voluntary acceptance. It isn't just a big uh, comment box with a request to put your suggestions in there. It attempts to accomplish these things through the concentration of power and the implementation of force. Mm -hmm. If you just listen to uh, people who call themselves socialists, they don't have a list of suggestions. They have a list of things they want to impose, a list of impositions 
no way out. Uh, you're going to be a part of this, whether you like it or not. It's like if two Girl Scouts come to your door and say, you're going to buy these cookies, whether you like it or not, and you're going to eat them and enjoy them, you know, uh, <laughs> with a SWAT team standing behind yeah. them, uh, then uh, th that's what socialism is all about. But, but you can't sell it if that's what you tell people, because people say, what? I don't want the police uh, running my life. I don't want to call the cops for everything. I don't want to concentrate power. So they have to come up with a different way to market their ideas. And that's why they tell us all these wonderful things. We're going to do good things for you and take care of you, give you free stuff, you know, and uh, not tell you the other side. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, from your article, uh, the spectrum, and I quote, my contention is that if communism, socialism, fascism, and capitalism all appear on the same range line, it is terribly misleading and utterly useless to place the first two on the left and the second two on the right. The placement that makes most sense is this one. And I will place this. It's for everybody to, to see. So explain that uh, framework that you have laid out from the left. You have communism moving all the way to the right. Uh, capitalism and an interesting thing that you add in there between fascism and capitalism is a mixed economy so uh, we've looked at the existing explanation with communism on the left and fascism on the right now you propose a better spectrum if you will walk us through that yeah uh, communism socialism fascism as you notice are all on the left and that's because they uh, uh, oppose the individual. They are collectivist in approach. They use the concentration of power. Uh, they glorify the state. Those are very important points they all hold in common to one degree or another. So they should all be on one side. They're too similar to be posted at different ends, uh, yeah. as you would think a typical spectrum would portray. And then I put capitalism on the other side, whether you want to use the left-right uh, designation or not, uh, of course, it's up to you. But the point is that capitalism is not like any of those other isms of the left. And, you know, a, a person doesn't have to be uh, an advocate of capitalism, I think, to see the sense in this kind of spectrum. In fact, I have problems with uh, what is often sold as capitalism. Uh, I believe in the true uh, uh, variety of it, which is a fair field and no favor and minimal government and respect for rights uh, to life and property and, and entrepreneurship and so forth. And I don't like what is called crony capitalism, where the government and the uh, uh, and business get together and connive against the individual or the taxpayer. But that looks a lot more like like some kind of socialism, really, when you when you employ the government to uh, ad advantage yourself at other people's expense. So even that it moves things towards the left, not towards capitalism. So that's that's the idea there, that uh, capitalism is free markets, minimal government, respect for the individual, entrepreneurship, private property. It, and none of that looks anything like socialism, communism or fascism. Why, why do you? Why do why is there such a resistance to a, a a true free market approach with as little to no um, state intervention as possible? 
Yeah. Well, that's a very good question. I don't think there's any one answer, but uh, I wish I could say, uh, Philip, that everybody who deals with these things is committed to the truth, come hell or high water. But the more you observe dialogue uh, about political matters, uh, the more you realize that for some people, maybe a lot of them, uh, there are things more important than truth. Uh, one's political agenda, uh, the desire to be in the limelight, uh, the desire to advance your uh, political ideas uh, and put your, you and your friends in charge to achieve power and notoriety. And sometimes uh, in an effort to achieve those things, people will prevaricate. They'll tell untruths. They'll say, uh, you know, I mean, capitalism doesn't make it easy for a power seeker to get in charge of other people's lives because yes, capitalism basically, basically says you can't put a crown on your head and wrap yourself in a robe and say, I'm the queen, cough it up. You've got to go produce and trade and, and create something. Well, for the for the people who don't want to do that, who, who feel like, gee, I'd rather just have power. Um, well, they don't like capitalism. So mm -hmm. to the less honest ones, they will cook up all kinds of uh, uh, mischaracterizations of capitalism in an effort to advance their political cause. And, and that, that's a shame. I think we should be committed to the truth and then uh, defend it yeah. uh, as you see it. But that's not the way uh, so many people operate. I, one of the things I, I learned probably in the last five years, um, I, I did, a lot of my work is with uh, persons who are experiencing poverty, low-income families, homeless. And, and one of the things I discovered is um, in the push for the uh, expansion of uh, uh, socialist type programs is using uh, the suffering of others as a means to gain control. Yes. Um, I, I've, I, I've said before, it's, it's compassion that is cloaked in tyranny or force. Yes. Uh, essentially. And um, you know, you're, you're offered, you know, Hey, we need to do these things to help out you know, said child or said individual who's starving. Um, but actually right behind it is, and, and you said it is, there's not the explanation of there's a SWAT team right behind. <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost like mother Teresa coming to the door with the SWAT team, you with know, a, with an AK 47 under her arm. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it removes, um, the opportunity for persuasion to persuade people, it removes mm -hmm. the opportunity for genuine participation to, to address a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also think it, it removes the opportunity for creativity. Yes. Uh, one of the things I learned, especially with the individuals and families that I work with, there's no one, one size fits all approach. Mm -hmm. Um, and then some of the communities we work in are diverse. And what we do in one neighborhood or community is going to look radically different than what we do in another. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, you, you tend toward the left of fascism, socialism, communism, that collectivist idea. You, you completely uh, decimate the idea of the individual. Mm -hmm. and 
also the number of variables that contribute to why that individual is the way he or she is, is mm -hmm. the outcomes that they experience. And um, it's, it's disheartening. Um, I know some, there's some people that mean well, right? Mm -hmm. And there's other people who I think they actually know what they are doing. Uh, yeah. And you can't discount that as well. Uh, and they're going to use a person's situation to take advantage and gain power, like you said. Yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I've often thought, what if your mission was to take a human being or multiple human beings mm -hmm. and ruin their lives? That was your mission. How are you going to do that in a way that uh, th they won't really realize that you've done it to them? Mm -hmm. And if that were my mission, I think I would do the following. I would I would think to myself, well, I've got to find a way to take away there's any sense they may have of self-reliance. Mm -hmm. I want to make them dependent upon somebody else. Uh, I, I want them to uh, not to look to their own energies and talents and resources and ambitions. I want them to look to maybe the state uh, yeah. as their salvation. Uh, I, and I want them to not think about things that are true. I just want them to think about things that may be a temporary convenience uh, that's how I would corrupt them. Uh, and, uh, and you would ruin them for life and, unless they came to their senses and realized that, gee, I, <laughs> I'm not a sovereign human being anymore. This other guy's living his life through me. I'm not living my own. Mm -hmm. uh, if you really want to help people, what you want to do is actually help them. I mean, if they're yeah. temporarily in need, they're in distress or whatever. Well, it's, it's not a sign of where your heart is if you just say, okay, I'll call the politicians, let them do it. I want to know what are you doing to help yeah. the person you've identified in need. Yeah. Uh, help them get off their uh, feet, if at all possible. That's the way in the long run you really make for a, uh, you know, a happy, self-fulfilling life for a person uh, if they feel like they are in charge. They can make a difference. They, and they're improving their lives not just by accepting somebody else's largesse, but by their own efforts. That gives them pride and dignity and self-respect. Yeah, that's good. And it's important. Um, and what you said is a good segue to my final question. Um, you know, that pursuit of meaning, um, the further we, looking at your spectrum, the further we move to the, the right, um, both parties, individuals, have the opportunity to pursue meaning. Um, and through that, you know, they're carrying out some form of purpose in their life, whether that's, mm -hmm. you know, creating a good and then offering that good in the marketplace to meet a need, you know, them working with their hands and, you know, coming up, what's going to be the appropriate, you know, price because I've had to determine like which materials to get. And then, you know, when they go out to actually have to interact with somebody and again, persuade that individual like, hey, my product is the better product than the other guy that's right here, you know, mm -hmm. and, and this is why. And there's again, there's no threat standing behind us. Yes. Uh, and so I'm discovering, you know, I'm pursuing meaning. I'm finding my purpose uh, in what I'm doing. I'm learning, you know. And that's mm -hmm. part of that process as well yep. uh, of what it is to succeed and fail. Um, there's so many things I think are missed out, um, the unintended consequences as we move to the left. And yeah. 
the impact that it has on uh, the individual and, you know, answering, I think, those big existential questions of why I'm here and what's my purpose in life. Yeah, it's never too soon to ask yourself a question that you should also ask yourself on the last day of your life. Mm. And that is, what is my purpose? Mm. And, you know, if, if you get to the, to the very day when you know you're about to pass on and you yeah. think about that, what was my purpose? And if you can't say something uplifting, if, if the best you can say is, well, my purpose was just to get by. My mm. purpose was to get what I could, no matter where it came from. And, you know, uh, that's not very uplifting. But yeah. if you're able to look back on your life and say, well, my, I think my purpose was to be a great example for the mm. people around me. I wanted to uplift humanity yeah. uh, through the talents that I had. I wanted to be fully human, fully myself. I wanted to practice the highest virtues so I could be a good example for my children and the people around me. I mean, that is, that's fantastic. What an epitaph to be able to uh, put on your headstone, or at least in the hearts of the people who knew you. So don't wait until the day you pass on to think of that. Work on it now. That's what I tell uh, people. That's good. So you say this, and this just, uh, I need to put this on a T-shirt. <laughs> uh, instead of deploying, this is from the spectrum, and I quote, instead of deploying flawed and simplistic spectrum charts, let us judge political and economic systems by who they empower the state or the individual. So this quote spoke volumes to me. It speaks volumes because, uh, Lawrence, uh, because I wonder if we're really, if we really grasp uh, what is available to individuals in, yeah. in this chart um, and, and developing disciplines to, again, achieve our purpose in life um, while not, doing harm to people or taking people's stuff, obviously. So so what does it look like when the individual is more empowered than the state? What does it look like for the state to have less power and for individuals to have more power? Well, what you've just described is uh, what I would call liberty or freedom, a situation where the state is minimal, it's confined to certain important functions to uh, namely protect the individual's rights to be safe, to be free of intrusion, uh, to be free of violence and fraud and force and deception mm -hmm. and so forth. But otherwise, it, it's small enough that it leaves people alone to be the primary governors of their own lives. As long as you do no harm to another person, uh, their rights, their lives, their property, their contracts, well, then you should be left alone. And really, that's what it means to be fully human, to be fully you. You know, uh, just think for a moment about how we uh, have been created. Are we a fleet of robots? Are we all the same? Uh, if so, then I would say, yeah, it makes sense just to have some master programmer wind us all up and tell us what to do. But that's not the way we were created. No two people who have ever lived on this planet have been precisely the same. Every individual is incredibly unique and precious. Mm -hmm. And uh, in order to be fully you, to be who you were intended to be, you have to have a very broad sway over your life and, and the choices that govern it. The, the less of that that you have, the more somebody else is telling you what to do, 
well, then, first of all, we should be asking, why does he get to do that? And why can't I do it to him? You know, what, what makes him so special? I mean, isn't he a human, too? <laughs> why can't I tell him what to do? Yeah. It's just a handful of people arrogating to, them, to themselves powers that are really not rightfully theirs. But when you uh, uh, are suspect or, or subject, I should say, to the dictates of other people in every turn of your life, you're not living your life anymore. They're living their lives through you you're effectively a slave. And that's not what, uh, that's not the way or the purpose in which we've been created. Those are good words. So uh, Larry, in, in conclusion, uh, what's one or two things that you really want people to know? Well, we've, we touched on this, but it's bigger and more important maybe than we've had time to, to uh, discuss. And that is personal character. You know, it's not enough to say every person should be free to do his thing so long yeah. as he does no harm to others. I always like to add freedom means character. It means responsibility. It means uh, stepping up to the plate and being an honest person. It means being humble, uh, humble in the sense that you recognize that as much as you might know, uh, there's still a universe of knowledge out there that you don't know. And yeah. so stop trying to regulate and run other people's lives. It should be a full-time job just to run your own. Uh, and also, uh, you know, other elements of character that are so important, courage, courage to speak truth to power, to stand for the things you know to be right, uh, come hell or high water. Uh, those are important characteristics. Responsibility is another one. You know, can you imagine freedom in a society of largely irresponsible people? I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, a, an irresponsible people would be people running around saying, don't blame me for my mistakes. I mean, uh, don't blame me for my mistakes. I want to blame you yeah. or you owe me a living. Give me something. It's your fault. And, you know, it would be such chaos that uh, freedom would be um, uh, one of its greatest casualties. That's good. That's good. Anything you're working on? Um, any well, I I'm producing a stream of articles. It's not a day that goes by, Philip, when some idea doesn't pop into my head, maybe because of uh, reading something that I think, oh, my gosh, I want to research that and write about it. Yeah. Uh, so I put uh, everything I write on my own website, lawrencewreed.com. Mm -hmm. Most of that is uh, written for fee. So it appears at fee.org, too. But uh, when I write for other uh, organizations and publications. I, I put everything on my website, lawrencewreed.com. So lots of times it's history related, sometimes economics, quite often the two of them combined. Um, history is my first love with economics, a close second. Okay. Right. You got any hobbies? Yeah. I uh, am an avid fisherman, okay. both spin casting and fly fishing. Love to go to bluegrass concerts. Okay. Uh, I, like, I like gardening. I uh, love dogs. If I've, I've often thought if I weren't doing what I'm doing, promoting liberty, I would be end up, I would be doing something uh, uh, with animals, probably dogs. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in almost everything uh, from nature to music to uh, history, you name it. Okay, good. Lawrence Reed, thank you for joining us on Humanity Matters 101. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Philip. Thank you for joining us on the Humanity Matters podcast. For more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org. Like us on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Remember to be loved, be kind, be generous.
And if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible.